Welcome to Talking the Walk. This is a Bible-based podcast where we will endeavor to make the concepts of the Bible practical for people of all ages. If you are a follower of Christ already, we hope to strengthen your faith. If you are unsure of your status in your walk with Christ, or openly agnostic, we hope to bring you to a real and living knowledge of a relationship with a loving God. Of course, some of what you'll hear on this podcast will be opinion, so be faithful in checking what you hear against the Word of God. May God bless your life as you seek to know and serve Him with your whole life. Alright, welcome back to episode number three of Talking the Walk. If you're listening to this podcast, you've already probably read the title. We're talking about peace this week. Um, Peace is something that we probably all crave or that we all want. Peace is something that will never exist on a worldwide scale. Uh, Jesus pretty much gave us uh, that prophecy. In Matthew 24, Jesus' disciples were wondering how they would know when the end of the world was approaching. Jesus told them in verse 5 that many people would show up in the end times and only be interested in deceiving people and taking advantage of others. And we definitely see that kind of behavior today. Then in verse 6, he gave another sign, that sign being wars and rumors of wars. Now we can think of war as a direct opposite to peace. Rumors of war also can't exist if there is love and peace. If I love my friends and family, I'm not going to threaten to fight them. I'm going to pursue peace with them. Even from the beginning of time, people were blaming each other for their faults. If we think back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, um, the devil deceived Eve into eating the fruit off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then she gave to her husband Adam. And then when God came down and chastised them, Adam blamed it on Eve and Eve blamed it on the serpent. And already they had lost their peace. Uh, Blaming your faults on others will never foster a spirit of peace. Uh, And maybe from the beginning here, we should define what peace actually is. Peace is a state of mind, and it is not dependent on an outward set of circumstances. Uh, If you've listened to the first two episodes, you know that I try to sum up each episode with one sentence, and that that would be it. Normally, I give the sentence at the end of the episode, but I think that would be pretty much the sentence that sums up this episode. Peace is a state of mind and is not dependent on an outward set of circumstances. Uh, Let me just illustrate that maybe. There are a lot of people throughout the world, whether it be in war-torn countries or in countries where people are persecuted for their faith. Even in those situations, there are people who can experience peace. Also, just because there is no persecution or no war or outward display of hostility, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is peace. Two people can hate each other in their hearts and not outwardly uh, be feuding with each other. And just because they're not outwardly fighting doesn't necessarily mean that they have peace. I believe that peace is something that has to be actively pursued. And this, on this episode, I have uh, a guest with me, a friend who we've known each other for probably, what, 10 years? Yeah, probably. I would, I would assume so. Um, through middle school and high school together, we kind of worked together one summer. And uh, we, <laughs> we've uh, done a lot of stuff since. And uh, this topic was actually kind of his idea. So your thoughts, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts about peace or where do you want to kind of take this topic? Um, yeah, so as you were reading there, I was kind of um, thinking um, as you were going over your notes there. And um, I think peace is something, I mean, I know that peace is something that never will happen to a complete extent in this world. I mean, the Bible talks about there never, about there being wars and rumors of wars. And um, 
I think that the thing that we want to explore the, the most here in this podcast is what peace looks like in a Christian's life and um, also um, how do we pursue peace in a world that is not peaceful. Mm-hmm. So if peace is never going to be attained on a worldwide level, then what, why should we strive for peace personally? Besides the fact that that's just what, what we what we as humans desire. What's, what's the point? If it's never going to extend to a worldwide thing, why, why do we personally, or what do you think? Well, I mean, peace is something that we like to have personally. I think everybody wishes that they would have peace in their life, whether they do or not. And it is something that's nice to have. But I think even beyond that, we as Christians know that true peace only comes from God. And that's important to realize and important to know that, that if we want true peace, it's going to have to come from God. And so that, that entails a whole lot of other stuff as well. But um, that is why we would, that's why we want peace. Sure. And we'll get into some of that other stuff later. Uh, you said as Christians, and the word Christian literally means little Christ, or maybe, maybe you could say Christ Jr. Um, and in Isaiah 9, and again, I referenced the first two episodes earlier, but we've tried to pick scriptures from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, and then kind of um, real-life examples um, from the current times. And for our Old Testament scripture, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, he prophesied uh, about the coming of the baby Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born. Very familiar verse that we read at Christmas. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And then it gives a bunch of names for this baby that we call Jesus. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then the last one in verse 6 is the Prince of Peace. And so, again, I talked about how forgiveness is an essential uh, characteristic for a Christian or for someone who claims to be a follower of Christ. And in such a way, I think that if we claim to be a follower of Christ, we need to be following the Prince of Peace. You know, if you think of the government system in a monarchy, you have the king and you have the prince they're both leaders of the country. And if the subjects of that kingdom are following the leaders, they try to emulate the same characteristics that the leader has. And so if Jesus is defined as the Prince of Peace, I think that we also need to be pursuing that peace. What, what does that look like uh, to pursue peace? Or what do you think? Um, yeah, so there's a lot of different ways that people can pursue peace. Um, I guess one thing that I had mentioned um, that kind of sparked this whole um, conversation is um, people that feel like they have the right to be offended if someone does not agree with their point of view. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm bringing this in too early, but... Um, no, that's fine. But I do find it interesting. Um, and and I heard that there was a Chick-fil-A that opened in Toronto in Canada, and um, the, the whole LGBTQ community was um, pretty upset about it. Um, and they were kind of offended, but Chick-fil-A doesn't, doesn't actively, um, they, they, they don't, um, I'm trying to think of the word that I need here. They don't actively discriminate against. Against them. Exactly. Yeah. And so they don't have a reason to be offended. I'm not going to be offended if someone doesn't agree with, with anything else that, that I believe or something that I do. If they don't think that it's that it's the best thing to do, I don't really care as right. much. Like, it's not going to offend me. And I think that in trying to keep peace, um, 
that like that's not the right way to go about it mm-hmm. um being super worried that someone's going to be offended if i say the wrong thing or whatever and and like never confronting someone in in trying to keep peace that is definitely mm-hmm. the wrong way to go about it sure you would agree that people right now don't want anyone telling them what to do or how they should be living because it may offend them, right? And they don't want people feeling, mm-hmm. in other words, they feel like being tolerated is one of their rights. Right. And that's, that's not correct. Um, we have in America, well, at least, I mean, maybe in certain cases this is being challenged, but one of the foundational rights that we were given in the Bill of Rights is the freedom of speech, it's the freedom of speech, not the freedom to not be offended. Right. And I think we had talked about this off air as well, how um, people, um, well, Jesus even caused offense. We'll, we'll get back to that other thought I was having, struggles getting that together there. Um, Jesus offended people, though. And I want to read here just a verse quickly from Matthew 23. It's a couple verses. I'll just kind of summarize them. Uh, and now I don't necessarily condone speaking in this manner, but Jesus is talking to the scribes and Pharisees and he says, um, basically you wash the outside of the cup and the platter, but inside you're full of extortion and excess. Basically the inside of a cup is what gets dirty, right? That's what gets the, whatever. If you have milk in a cup and you don't clean out the milk or you don't wash the cup properly, that milk spoils and it's disgusting. And that's basically what Jesus was accusing these people of. He said, you cleanse the outside of yourselves. In other words, you look good to other people. And yet inside, you're just rotten. And he goes on in verse 27 then of Matthew 23 uh, to tell them that he calls them hypocrites. He calls them basically a beautifully engraved tomb. He calls them a bunch of things like that. He says, you're beautifully, you beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Uh, and so Jesus definitely caused offense. Um, now, that doesn't mean that we need to go through life saying things to intentionally cause offense. Right. And it also doesn't mean that we should just say things without caring whether or not it offends someone. But we should never, the point I'm trying to make is that we should never avoid saying something or speaking the word of God because we're afraid of what people might think. Jesus was perfect. So he could say these things out of a heart of love for these people and out of having their best interest in mind. His spirit was right. Would it be okay for me to talk like that to someone else? Probably not because my spirit wouldn't be right. Um, but Jesus Jesus came and he offended people because he was willing to... Oh, the point I was trying to make earlier is if, if you see... And I think that's what Jesus was doing here. He saw something in these people's lives and he knew it was something that was not beneficial to their lifestyle. And so he was trying to help them out. If, he, if you see something in your friend's life, if you see something in my life that's not right, and you don't tell me about it because you're afraid of offending me, yeah, that's not helping me out as a friend, is it? Yeah, exactly. Like that's being very detrimental because you're allowing someone that you claim to be your friend to continue in whether it's a sinful habit or whatever. Uh, or whether it's just a socially unacceptable behavior, whatever it is, you're allowing them to continue in that without telling them, you know, like, this is probably not good for you to be doing. You should stop this. And I need to be able to take those things without offense, understanding that you have my best interest in mind in telling me that. You're not trying to be judgmental. It's just that 
I mean, that's what friends are supposed to do, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really, um, really, that is kind of the point that um, I was trying to bring out there. Um, is that, I mean, Jesus could say that. And I would be offended if you came to me and, and said something like that to me, <laughs> probably. Um, if, you, if you came to me in the wrong way and, and told me to my face that I was nice on the outside, but I really needed help on the inside. Right. I could find that to be... Um, find that to be um, offensive. And yet at the same time, we do need to make sure that we're not um, hindering or, or destroying a relationship or, or like we're not helping someone because we're afraid we're going to offend them. And I think that as Christians, I think that's something that affects us a little more than we'd like to, to admit sometimes. Because there are people out there that will get offended if we tell them mm-hmm. that, you know, like... You, God is there, and we like we try to witness to them and show them God's love. Being offended is something that that can happen, and it's not something that we enjoy. Right. But I think that we would do well to maybe be a little bit more um, outspoken in that area because not everybody is going to be offended, and I mean it's worth one soul if if we are going to reach out to people around us. Even sure. if some of them do are offended, mm-hmm. even, you know, it's, it's still worth it in the, in the end. Right. And if you, again, coming back to the analogy of seeing something out of line in a friend's life, um, let me just read this verse 27 of Matthew 23 again. I'm going to try to read it two different ways, putting different expression on it, because you can go to a friend and tell them about a fault that you see in their life, and you can do you can say the exact same words, but the way in which you say it can either help build that relationship or it can totally destroy the peace in the relationship. Now, verse 27, um, I'll try to paraphrase again and give you a little illustration of what I'm trying to say. If Jesus would have come to these scribes and Pharisees, and again, he was Jesus, so his, his motive was perfect and his delivery was perfect as he was saying this. And that's a disadvantage to only having writing. We don't really know his tone of voice, but I'm going to try to read this two ways, and we can easily pick out which way Jesus would have said this. If he would have come to them and said, you hypocrites, like, you are so, you are so trash on the inside. Like, you just dress up in your fancy robes, but you are pathetic. You are leading these people astray. You are just blind. At one point, he said the blind were leading the blind and both fall into the ditch. Or do you think Jesus would have said, you poor people. You try to make yourselves look so good on the outside, and yet on the inside you have so many problems that I would love to help you solve. Now you see the difference in that way? Like the one was completely judgmental. He was saying, or I was reading that basically the same idea in two different ways. The one is judgmental, and it's wrong. It's not going to be helpful. It's going to destroy that peace. But... A wise person will receive counsel if it's delivered in a proper way. And they'll say, you know what? I do have a problem. Let's work through this. And so there again, I think the way in which um, those criticisms maybe are delivered can either make or break that relationship of peace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting to think about that because one thing that people tend to do um, when they're confronted on an issue is to attack the person that is trying to help them out. Mm-hmm. Like we can say, look at you, like you fail in these areas. And, and in yeah. Jesus' situation, it was different. Like they couldn't do that. 
<laughs> it's kind of hard to attack a perfect person. It is. It really is. Um, and they, they did try, but it, obviously um, they didn't have anything to bring against him. And so I think that it is interesting that he was able to do that. And we do need to be really careful with how we um, confront people with issues like that. But if we're just going mm -hmm. to totally avoid um, confronting people with problems, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be – they're going to be worse off. Well, and that's, that's also not a correct <clears throat> response, just – ignoring possible areas of conflict because right. we're afraid of that. Right. I know there's been times in my life where people have come and said things to me already like, hey, you should probably not do this or yeah. I have a problem with what you're doing here. And there's been times where I've just kind of written them off because I'm like, yeah, well, look mm -hmm. who's look who's <laughs> saying this. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Whatever, but that that's not correct. Um, I saw something um, in peace as it refers to the words that we say. Uh, David Marvin posted on Twitter. He's the host of the Views from the Porch podcast, which I believe we both listen to. Good podcast, by the way. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And he posted on Twitter this acronym the other day. Uh, it just says, think before you speak. And the word think is the acronym. And then it says, is what I'm about to say, the T stands for true. Is it true? Uh, if it's not true, don't say it. That, that should be the first test that you run it by. But not everything mm -hmm. that is true needs to be said. That's why there's four other levels to this. If I see someone that's fat, I don't just say you're fat, right? <laughs> because yeah, that's not that's gonna- the wrong way to do that. <laughs> right, that's not gonna create that, that peace again yeah. uh, between two people. So the H, is it helpful? It's telling someone you're fat, not helpful, okay? Chances are they already know it. <laughs> they probably do. All right. Um, maybe you're even trying to help them. Maybe you're alarmed for their health. That, that could be helpful um, in a way. <laughs> yes. Okay. But there's still other uh, ways to. We'll, we'll get to. We'll get. We'll come back to that fat example. All right. The I then. So we have true. Is it true? Is it helpful? The I is. Is it important? Um, I taught school for four years. You taught for one year, mm -hmm. and. There's been times, I'm sure, I know there was in my teaching experience, and I'm sure there was in yours, where students wanted to say something, but at the moment, it wasn't important. Like, in right. the middle of the class is not um, the time to... To bring up the puppies your dog just had. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or the dog that ate the homework, or, or whatever. <laughs> so, yes. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it important? The N, is it necessary? Important and necessary, in the case of the student and the class... That can kind of be the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's not necessary to say that at the same time. And again, telling someone they're fat, it's not necessarily, that's not necessarily important or necessary. Yeah. And then the K, I think, is one of the most important things. Uh, I think the two most important are probably the T. Is it true? And then the K, is it kind? Which is where that whole fat thing, like there's a nice way to say that, like, you know mm -hmm. what, I'm concerned that if you don't start <clears throat> losing some weight, you could run into some health risks. You could have you, you uh, raise your chance of having a heart disease or something like that yeah. or a heart attack or whatever. There's a kind way to say that. Yeah. Um, and we already talked about how Jesus could have said those two or that idea in two different ways. The one definitely displaying kindness, the other one not so much. Um, and then, of course, he ends his post by saying, if it, if it doesn't follow these five checkpoints, then probably just hold it. Don't say it. So right. what you're saying, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it important? Is it necessary? And is it kind? And if you run your thoughts through those five tests and it comes up yes for every single one of those, you're probably good to say it. And you're probably saying it for the right reasons. 
You're probably saying it in the right tone of voice. You're probably saying it in a way that is going to produce peace mm-hmm. between people. Exactly. And, well, our kind of our focus on this whole thing was interpersonal relationships. Sure. Um, and I think it's important to remember that it doesn't matter which side of the, of the confrontation or whatever that you're on. If someone comes to you with a problem, it's just as important to, to run yourself through those steps before you come back. Sure. Because like you were saying, you're like, oh, well, look at you. Like, you're nobody to tell me how to, how to live my life differently. Yeah. There's there's a wrong there's a wrong way to confront someone and there's a wrong way to receive that criticism. Yes, exactly. I guess I was mostly viewing this from the side of giving the criticism, mm-hmm. but yes. But but peace is a two way thing. Correct. It's not gonna happen unless both people are are willing to do their part to to maintain peace. Yes, you're right. Um, and then, okay, so we touched on the Old Testament. We had the verse from Isaiah calling Jesus the Prince of Peace. We touched on the New Testament verses there about Jesus talking to the scribes and Pharisees. The only uh, part of this that we didn't really cover yet is the modern examples. Uh, I have an example, but maybe I'll let you go first. I hadn't really warned you about this. Was there a time where your response did or didn't bring about peace that you want to share or just an example of a way that you saw peace enacted at some point, I mean, um, <laughs> kind of putting to, you on the spot you here. You might have to come back on that. Um, if you want to give okay. yours first, that would be good. Sure. Um, well, I said that I used to teach school. I currently now uh, drive truck, and there was a warehouse that I get into occasionally, and they have us fill out paperwork before we pick up our trailer, our loaded trailer going out. And so I had filled out my paperwork, and I gave it to the lady behind the window, and she was asking me for information that I had already written on the paper. And so I got a little frustrated because she could have just simply looked at the paper and had all the information, uh, which is what they normally did. I wasn't understanding why she was actually asking me for this information. And I, I'll i be honest, I have a little bit of a short fuse, which is a good thing. I guess depends how you look at it. Uh, it doesn't take much to get me angry, but it the fuse is short, so it doesn't burn for very long. And I cool off quickly then, at least... Most times. But anyway, I did respond very shortly to her. I was like, well, look at the paper. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I gave some short, uh, not not peaceful, not Christian response. And when I swung back around to leave with my full trailer, uh, I just really felt bad about the way I had spoken. Uh, and of course, she responded very curtly as well because... Um, there's a Bible verse that says a soft answer turneth away wrath, but a short answer also um, evokes more short answers, right? And it just stirs up the fire. So when I swung back around with my full trailer to leave, I just parked and I went in and I was like, hey, I said, I'm sorry for the way I, the way I spoke. I said, I didn't understand why you were asking for this information, but that doesn't excuse my actions. I was like, I'm I'm sorry for the way I acted. And she completely, she said, oh, that's fine. And ever since then, there's not been a problem between us. And it just really, it gave me a sense of peace, having the humility to apologize for something that I knew I had definitely done wrong. I could have just not said anything because it was her fault for not reading the paperwork, but that doesn't excuse my kind of behavior. And so 
um, peace and humility kind of go hand in hand, but um, mm-hmm. humility is not the topic. But the, the feeling of peace and just knowing that what I had done was right and that I had cleared up this relationship was, was it just felt good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and there again, um, it, is, it is kind of um, shocking sometimes how if one person just decides to let go in a, in a tense situation like that, how it can just completely change both sides For sure. of that. It's, yeah, it really does, does work. I didn't come up with any examples. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I had I had kind of thrown you on the spot there. Yeah. Um, anything else then in relation to peace here? Well, I think it might be good to get kind of a, a general overview of, of what we talked about. Um, okay. You know, I mean, we kind of focused on, on personal relationships, although we did bring in like world peace mm-hmm. um, a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, you know, just like doing your part is that's all you have control of really in any situation you need to make sure that the way you're acting is christ-like um and if we do our parts to maintain peace um you know that's that's the best we can do Mm -hmm. an underrated part of this which i think we neglected to talk about which i'm not i'm not sure how we glossed over this but you're not going to be very successful in having interpersonal peace if your peace with god is not is not secure like if if I had ignored my conscience in the example that I gave uh, with that lady in the office there, if I had ignored my conscience and just gone on my way, I would have not had peace with God because I know the way I acted was wrong. I would have also not had peace with this lady as well because I would have also known that um, my response to her was not was not God honoring. And so... I think, first of all, before any of this, we have to have, and we talked about if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then we want to be emulating that as well as followers of Christ. We did kind of touch on that, but I think the most important part of all of this is making sure that we have our peace with God maybe ironed out first and that we we have that relationship mm-hmm. going strong. And then we'll be open to our conscience when it speaks to us and we'll have the humility and the strength to apologize or... Right. Uh, the strength to maybe confront someone in a Christ-like way, in a humble spirit with problems that we see in their lives, will have the strength to take criticism of our life. And we won't... Because see, what is what is the opposite of peace? I think pride is the root of that. We talked about how war and strife and things like that are the opposite of peace. But what causes war? It's two people that can't agree or two nations that can't agree. Why can't they agree? Because they both want the same thing, whether it's um, border disputes between neighboring countries. It's, it's selfishness that's at the root of, of destroying peace. And so when we have that firm relationship with God, it takes away that need to try to build ourselves up. Our security is in Christ and we right. don't need to try to act big. And mm-hmm. so we can just act humble and along with that comes a, a feeling of peace. Yeah, exactly. That really is what it comes down to in the end, is making sure that you have a relationship with God. And he's, mm-hmm. that's, where, that's where you, if that's where you find your peace, um, it's going to be a whole lot easier to be able to accept maybe coming out on the, on the bad end of a deal sometimes. Yeah. Um, and just, just in, the, in the effort of maintaining peace. Sure. 
All right, anything else? I think that's it. I think we're close to being finished. So let me just leave you with the, our summary sentence again. Here it is. Peace is a state of mind and is not dependent on an outward set of circumstances. Just remember that when you're tempted to say that, ah, oh, well, my circumstances are just troubling. That means your focus is not uh, where it should be. Because if your focus is on God, I was thinking of this example the other day, and I don't know if it's original with me or not. I feel like I made it up, but if, if you made it up or... If, <laughs> If you listeners made it up, then uh, just tell me that I plagiarized. But um, the difference between a pessimist and an optimist, if they went out in the uh, in the evening at dusk after a rainy day and the pessimist looks down and he's like, ah, oh, man, the ground's all soggy and there's puddles everywhere. And the optimist looks up and he says, yeah, but the stars really look pretty tonight. Like that really mm-hmm. illustrates the difference uh, of people who are always looking at the mud and the yeah. pathetic things in life. Uh, and they're never going to see the beauty around them. But if you're looking up, if you're focusing on things that are that are high and lofty, right. if you're focusing on God, you'll see the beauty of the stars and not the sodden ground. Mm-hmm. And so just remember that peace is a state of mind and does not have to be dependent on an outward set of circumstances. All right. I think that brings us to the end of this episode. See you next week. May God bless the rest of your day, and may you be strengthened in your walk with the Lord. Thank you.